Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. It's an absolute pleasure today to have Chris Gethin on the Powercast. So, a superstar who's moved from Wales now over to the US. So, anyone who doesn't know who Chris is, um, you haven't probably been around in the fitness game for a very long time. So, he's huge reputation, uh, achieved a huge amount. He's an incredible businessman and a very pleasure, great pleasure to have him on the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me on, Charlie. It's my pleasure. So um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris, and like where you originally came from and what, what, how your journey sort of transitioned, because I think it's quite an interesting story. Yeah, sure. Uh, as you said, you know, the weird accent comes from Wales. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I grew up on a farm there, as uh, most people in Wales do. Well, definitely all my family. Deep farm? Uh, uh, it, it was a medium-sized farm. I'd say, you know, there's a lot of, lot of farms out there now, particularly today, that are a lot larger. Uh, they have more people, you know, working on there, where it's usually just a, a family affair, and that, that's what it was with us. Uh, but, you know, I had the usual things, the sheep, the chicken, the horses, donkeys, uh, all, all sorts, you know. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed my time working uh, and being and having an adventure on the farm because I think it made me kind of independent. I'd say it certainly made me a bit of a hermit, which has probably adversely uh, affect me and my longevity. You know, people who live a long time generally have good connections, and uh, I generally don't have a huge amount of connections. I have a very small social circle because I like my own company, you know. Um, but uh, I grew up there and I raced motocross. That was my sporting endeavor. You know, again, I, I was never into team sports or anything like that. So I raced motocross for about 15, yeah, over 15 years. And it wasn't until... Um, you know, my career came to a stop because of back issues that accumulated over time and various other injuries that uh, I came across uh, bodybuilding. Uh, what sort of age were you then, Chris? I, I would have been uh, mid-twenties. <laughs> early to mid-twenties, I came across uh, bodybuilding. And uh, in my early twenties, when I'd stopped racing motocross, uh, I was about 20 years old, uh, obviously that had, you know, it had become my identity. And uh, I felt like I'd lost my identity all of a sudden. And I wasn't getting that endorphin rush that I lived off. I lived off the adrenaline. So I turned to alcohol, drugs, partying. It was the start of the race, rape scene back then. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good for me. But that was the only thing that I was surrounded by with friends at the time. So it's all I knew. And uh, it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel good for that weekend. But during the week, you know, I was in a slump. Um, and I'd, I'd gone to osteopaths, I'd gone to massage therapists and nothing helped my back issues until I actually started doing resistance exercise through physio. And when I was alleviated of that pain, I felt better. I felt more confident. I had a little bit more clarity because by default, I started eating a little healthier. And when I started studying about health, fitness, bodybuilding and what it can actually do, I started retaining that content because I absolutely sucked at school. I hated school. <laughs> and uh, when I started retaining that content, I realized it was something uh, that I had a passion for. I'd become obsessed with it. So then uh, I went to college uh, full-time for three years to study uh, uh, international health and fitness and sports therapy. And uh, that was basically then my ticket, my qualification, which was internationally recognized, to get me out of Wales. 
So then I worked on cruise liners for a while. And then after eight months, I moved to Australia and worked as a personal trainer there. Then further from that, uh, a couple of years later, I was able to afford my first gym. So I purchased the gym. And then uh, during that time, I realized that I could reach many more people as opposed to transforming people one-on-one if I was to write articles for publications. So I taught myself how to write articles through Miriam Webster's book on uh, journalism and uh, grammatical writing and started submitting my content. And when it started, started to get received and published, I decided to give everything up and risk everything by moving to the mecca of bodybuilding, Venice, California, to see if I could get a job. Yeah, so six months later, I got a contract with uh, Weeder Publications for uh, as a photographer and a writer because I taught myself photography as well to have uh, images to accompany the articles that I was submitting. And uh, so I was there then for several years, and I published my own magazine for, uh, for about two years after that. And it was during that time I got the attention of Ryan DeLuca, the then founder of Bodybuilding.com, to interview for the editor-in-chief position. So uh, then I interviewed for it. I got that position. So I moved from L.A. to Boise, Idaho, where I do reside today as the editor-in-chief. And uh, I was competing. By the way, I was competing. I competed in my first bodybuilding show in 99 in Pontypridd in Wales. I had no idea there was such a thing as natural bodybuilding shows. However, I competed uh, as a natural in an untested show. I managed to get second. I was by by far the smallest but uh, I dieted on zero carbs for eight weeks. I didn't know any better, so I got very, very lean, which was... Uh, was the fish and asparagus diet? Yeah, pretty much. I was delirious, dude. Like, I remember going to, a, going to an ATM machine and actually thanking the ATM machine when it gave me the money because I wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> I remember, like, putting the coffee in the fridge and driving past my turning on the way home. I was, all, you know, I was in a, a completely different space. Uh, but but it worked. The suffering gave me some type of success. And I, uh, when I went to Australia, I continued to compete then in natural shows when I realized there was such a thing as natural bodybuilding and continued to do so in the U.S. as well until I got second place in the natural worlds in 2006. And then in 2009, I decided to hang up the trunks because I never really liked competing, to be honest with you. I like the process. I like the journey. I like the sense of urgency and the transparency of being on stage and nothing but your underwear. You can't really hide anyway. You know, I just didn't like the, the actually being on stage and opposing and all that sort of stuff. So I gave that up and uh, decided then to actually transform on a video and using these daily video trainers to help people go from A to B, not necessarily to compete, but to get into shape and give themselves a form of discipline that seems to be a dying breed today. So I always like to practice some form of discipline. Uh, It isn't always uh, the priority isn't for health. You know, of course, my priority is health, but I don't always just take cold showers because I know it's anti-inflammatory. I take my cold showers every day because it's a, it's a form of discipline. So, do you, have, do you have any other daily habits like that in the, in the morning or morning routines? Yeah, I make sure that I don't check my phone for a good half hour. I don't go on the phone for an hour before bed. Um, you know, I don't watch any TV or go on the computer or anything like that before bed either. I make sure that I never hit a snooze button if I have the alarm. I got to make sure that I kind of jump out of bed uh, first thing in the morning. Yeah, and you know, I you know at, at these times if I have doubt and 
you know, it's pissing down with rain or it's snowing, I'll usually lace up and go out for a run because everything in your bones is telling you not to do it. And that's just weakness, excuse and doubt uh, creeping in. And as I get older, I don't want to become fragile. So I have to, you know, try to push myself that little bit harder as I get a little bit longer in the tooth, I guess. No, that's, that's fascinating. And from, from there, where did you transition from there then, Chris? Uh, from there, then um, I did. I started my own food line called uh, Nutrition by Design, and uh, it was basically it was kind of like a pot noodle. And this is going back in two thousand. They have pot noodles in the US. <laughs> no, they don't have pot noodles, but they have something similar where you had the boiling water to your plastic cup or your paper cup, and then all of a sudden, five minutes later, you've got a meal. So I had I had uh, various meals with a business partner that we created. And uh, then I moved to India uh, because uh, I, I, I'd released a book about this time, and that was called Body by Design. And I was asked to go to India to actually do a launch and a talk and a seminar at an expo over there. And whilst I was there, a celebrity picked up that book uh, from my now business partner, Jag Chima, and he wanted me to transform him. And uh, so I flew over there again and gave him a consultation and decided that uh, I would uh, train him. Now, initially, it wasn't through, let me say, it wasn't through an option that I would have gone for. The reason being I decided to move to India is because I was kicked out of the U.S. Uh, My then, yeah, my immigration lawyer had not applied for my extension. And when bodybuilding.com was asking for all the paperwork, they found something suspicious. They warned me of it. And then we found that he hadn't applied for my uh, extension. So I had to leave the country immediately and apply for a waiver to come back into the country. This was a lot harder than I anticipated. So that's when I decided, well, you know what? I'm not going to twiddle my thumbs in Wales. I'm going to go to India and uh, train this celebrity. So I started training. I transformed him in nine weeks. We were initially going to do it in 12 weeks, but you know he responded very, very well. And we transformed him in nine weeks, and it got like front page press and TV. So then uh, I had other celebrities wanting me to transform him. So then I started flying in other trainers uh, to transform these people because the education was definitely lacking in India. So uh, from then we decided, well, you know what, there's an opportunity to open gyms here because a lot of the gyms are not well equipped. The personal trainers are not recognized or educated. Um, So we wanted to you know, bring something to country to the country that was a full-fledged world-class facility, but what we'd consider an academy of education as well. So we launched the Chris Gethin Gyms franchise, and once we did, I moved back to the U.S. because now I had my green card, and I started uh, what is now Caged Muscle Supplements. So it's a cage it's a supplement line that is like naturally colored, naturally flavored. We use only patented and fermented and organic ingredients. So I really wanted to merge the health sector with the sports supplement uh, sector, which is uh, a very distant uh, cousin between the both, unfortunately. So I wanted to merge those together. So that kind of brings me up to date of what I'm doing today from a business standpoint. And from a physical standpoint, like I said, I gave up bodybuilding in 2009. I won my final show. And uh, decided. Wow, I'm high then. 
Yeah, it went out on a high, but the thing is, I didn't feel any better winning a show or coming second, to be yeah. honest with you, because you still go into that abyss. You're so disciplined. You're so scheduled. Everything is numbers by the time of day that you eat your meal or you wake up or the amount of macros. And then when you finish, you know, you just cross into this abyss. And I'd cross into this abyss of major depression. So I figured, okay, this is, <laughs> this is not for me. I don't want to, you know, diet down and get ready for a competition and have a high on that day and then go into an abyss of depression for four to six weeks. Um, so then uh, I, you know, I've always done cardio every day, a lot of the time, twice a day. And a lot of people thought that was crazy and, uh, clients even thought it wasn't convenient for them trying to put on muscle. So that's when I decided, well, I'm going to you know, do something extreme to show you that you can retain your muscle and participate in endurance activity. You just need to be smart with it. So, uh, that's when I decided to start competing in uh, ultra marathon, uh, Ironman events, Spartan, uh, things like that, but continuing to train as a bodybuilder. That, so, that, that fascinates me in that terms of that transition. Cause I was like observing you through that sort of period. Did you notice any like physiological changes in your body in terms of recovery or how you felt or like in terms of nutritionally, how you were trying to have to fuel your body? I imagine you had to ramp up your carbohydrates quite a lot due to energy demands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely become basically like a running buffet. Uh, so uh, the, the main difference that I found that I really had to change because I'm a very high volume trainer, yeah. and I honestly thought, well, this is gonna this is gonna uh, be good for me. This is gonna benefit me because I usually train with a lot of intensity and a lot of volume. But I quickly found that I was overtraining by doing so. So then I brought my volume down because I usually train like twenty to fifty reps. I just like I like the challenge, and my body seems to respond well with it. Uh, so then I had to bring my repetitions down to more like the 10 to 15. Uh, otherwise, I'd just severely overtrain. And that worked well. Just I'd just target my fast twitch muscle fibers for my workouts. And it would usually be a little bit of the fast twitch if I was doing hill sprints, but mostly the slow twitch when it came to my endurance. So I made sure that there was no crossover there. And I'd use my workouts as a pre-fatigue for my endurance. So I'd maybe hit a crazy leg workout and then go do some hill sprints or go for a long bike ride and maybe hit uh, back and triceps before going for my swim. All and, in one day. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't do all of that in one day. I'd, I'd, I'd only hit one workout and one cardio. So yeah. I'd four to five days a week and I'd do cardio every day. So that cardio would usually only be an hour uh, during the week one hour, but then I'd have to get comfortable being uncomfortable on the weekends because obviously if I'm doing an Ironman event, it's a lot of time in the saddle that you have to condition yourself for, a lot of time on your feet that you're running that you have to condition yourself for. So I'd usually go for like my 100-mile bike ride, for instance, on a Saturday, and then maybe like a 12-mile run on a Sunday. But during the week, you know, it'd be very, very short and intense, and I'd just be working my cardiovascular engine from an anaerobic standpoint points uh, more than anything you know so i didn't overtrain on the days that i was weight training how did you um, adjust your nutrition to that and sort of supplements with what you were doing uh the nutrition was pretty much the same you know in regards to the macros uh the macro ratios it just increased 
yeah, except for the weekends, then I'd go very, very high carbs because I would go, like I said, like 100 miles. And, you know, at my body weight, about 220 pounds, uh, you know, I go through a lot of wattage, a lot of power. So I go through a lot of calories. I'd sweat a lot. And sometimes I'd be facing a lot of headwinds or I'd decide to go for a very hilly ride or um, a hilly just carry ride. that weight around, isn't it? Yeah, more, more than anything. Because I'd bike and run with some other people that were triathletes. And, you know, they'd have a couple of gels and a couple of bars and they were good. I'd have a backpack full of food. <laughs> And I'd have my, instead of having just carbs in my shakers, uh, in my bottles, I'd have my protein in there, I'd have my creatine in there, I'd have my BCAAs, my amino, my amino acids, uh, pretty much everything that a bodybuilder would consume, except obviously you need to maintain that muscle protein synthesis in a higher value. And obviously you'd go through a lot more protein because you, you are kind of overtraining to a certain degree. And I just found that I had to use a lot of ice. So I'd be in cryotherapy units several times a week. I'd have uh, cold baths with ice several times a week just to remove the inflammation from my lower body. Is that where the fascination with sort of the cold showers sort of came into your habit? You got used to do? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'd done a lot of it before. Even when I was in college, I used to have sauna and then jump in the snow during winter. You know, I just always liked that hot and cold thermogenesis. Just woke me up, made me feel good. And like I said, it was practicing another form of discipline. And our ancestors had to deal with extreme heat and extreme cold. They didn't have uh, fireplaces and air conditioning. And I, I just like to take uh, take myself back to the ancestral design. You know, we all talk about the trendy biohacking these days, but a lot of the biohacks are you know, low-hanging fruit that's free to us. We just have to uh, reverse our aging process 100 years or so to appreciate it. Have you, um, are you into yoga, I'm interested, Chris? Yeah, yoga. I do like uh, various types of yoga, something that's very easy. And meditation, I like to use uh, Emily Fletcher's Ziva meditation. Um, you know, I used to do a lot of hot yoga. You know, when I did my first video trainer back in 2009, you'd see in there, I was doing hot yoga. And, uh, you know, it just kicked my ass. The only thing that I didn't like about Bikram yoga is very repetitive. It's the same moves every time. So I transitioned away from that. No, I can imagine it gets stale quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. But yoga's great, you know. I, I, I should do more of it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, none of us really find stretching appealing. <laughs> it's something that we have to do, especially as we get older. And obviously with muscle tissue, it's very easy to become very stiff. And, uh, you know, that's where injuries come in. And I particularly imagine with the training volume you were doing with the, like, long endurance work, you imagine you just tighten up super fast. Yeah, massages and foam rolling and, uh, you know, various types of trigger point therapy was definitely needed. What's the plans for you going forward then? What's the, what's the next plan physique-wise, training-wise, general goals-wise and that side of things? Well, last year I, I competed in a couple more Ironman events, but I decided I wanted to lose muscle. Uh, so again, you know, weirdly enough, it was just me practicing another form of discipline. I'd had shoulder surgery and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a different goal up this year now, because of course it could be, it'd be very easy for me to get depressed if I didn't have a goal to work towards. I find training very therapeutic. It's like right. double A batteries. And, uh, I, of course I couldn't weight train how I like to weight train. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put everything into endurance and try to lose as much muscle as I possibly can. Let's see if I could follow that through. 
mentally as much as uh, physically. So I followed like a cyclical keto diet with intermittent fasting. You know, up until this point, I hadn't missed a meal in 18 years. People may find that hard to believe, but that's kind of how dedicated I was to the craft. Uh, so I followed intermittent fasting with a cyclical keto approach, and I dropped from like 220 pounds down to 197, I believe. You know, I wasn't a lean 197 by any means. It's funny, people think that if you run a lot and cycle a lot, you just get shredded. But uh, if you're not following a higher protein diet and some low intensity work, you know, it definitely, definitely doesn't happen. It didn't happen with me. But I did that, and then. Uh, Earlier this year, I decided, well, let me just see if I can put the muscle back on now. So that was the goal. And uh, so far, I, I am back up to 220, probably not back to the fullness that I was yet. But I guess it's probably because I am still doing a lot of running and swimming and cycling, etc. And I don't feel like I need to get any bigger or I don't want to get any bigger. Uh, but my goal this year physically is uh, have no goals whatsoever because I've always competed in something since the age of five, whether it be uh, motocross or downhill mountain bike racing or bodybuilding and then Ironman and triathlon and ultramarathon. I do, I do some 5Ks and some 10Ks and half marathons, uh, but nothing severe further from that. Uh, so the goal is to not compete in anything this year, uh, but I, I, I'm just in – I'm just biohacking my health as much as I possibly can. So I just had my blood reports done again last week. I have my hair follicle results coming in this week. I'm doing everything that I possibly can to hack my environment uh, on top of my environment. Um, you know, to, do, you have any, do you have any tips or nuggets of information on that? Anything? cool you've picked up in the last six 12 months you think yeah so i use a what's called a pemf device you know post electronic magnetic field therapy so i do have a mat that i lie on and i'll do that for about 30 minutes a day it kind of charges your cells you know i make sure that i ground myself every morning i meditate you use, like, deep breathing on that or yeah, uh, well, on the PEMF yeah, device. Yeah. No, no, no. I just sit there. Maybe I'm reading a book or something yeah. like that. It's just, you know, it's just charge. It's not so much like electric stimulation. It's uh, it's just charging your cells, you know, with negative eons, and with negative eons as well. I, you know, I. I um, I earth myself, I ground myself every day because obviously with our electrical devices, our computer, EMF rays, Wi-Fi, you know, we are completely charged all the time. So it's good to ground yourself and get rid of a lot of that charge. Um, so I do that every morning. I, uh, you know, like I said, I do the, I, I meditate every day as well. I'll stretch. I make sure that I wear my blue light blocking glasses a lot of the time when I'm traveling. It's like last night I did a seminar here um, in uh, the Limelight Hotel. So I, I just have artificial light around me. And I know if, I, if I'm absorbing that artificial light through my retina. My brain thinks it's daylight, even though it's dark outside. So my body isn't, or my brain isn't releasing the melatonin that it should, so I can sleep and get my deep and REM uh, sleep cycles intact. So I make sure that I wear those blue light blocking glasses. Uh, if I'm traveling a lot and I don't have access to get outside and have the sun. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in India for two weeks because we opened another gym there. Um, and uh, so I knew I could, it, it, if I couldn't get the sun, I had to hack that environment. So I have an infrared panel called a Juve panel. I have one at home. 
and but I have a, a mobile one as well, so I make sure that I get a lot of the restorative red light uh, from my Juve panel. Do you use anything to attract your sleep, Chris? Ah, uh, yes, I use like an aura ring. Yeah, I also have. Phenomenal. Yeah, and I also have a bio strap, and obviously there's the whoop. They're all very accurate. I just prefer to usually wear a ring to yeah. track uh, my sleep because I had a, a, a real bad problem just after I came out of India. Uh, or before, just before I got out of India, I was sleeping like three hours a night. And uh, like I, I used to pat myself on the back for it because I was like, yeah, you're a warrior. You can, yeah, kill, you can destroy and still, you know, have the most badass workouts and, you know, and, and kick people's ass in the gym. And uh, it, it started to affect me mentally during the day. I didn't really recognize it in the beginning. When I look back at the books that I've written uh, during that time, I'm like, wow, who was that guy? So I tried absolutely everything, every type of supplement, medication, every type of hack. And it wasn't until I went to Dr. Spanaug's clinic in 2015 uh, when I had like 62 blood tests. I had the hair follicle tests, the stool samples, urine samples, and I also had a brain scan and uh, collectively we could see that I had mold toxicity because I have a very I have a lot of sensitivity towards molds um, so I stayed there for six weeks for a severe hard detoxification you know clonic hydrotherapy every day I was on IV five days a week vegan diet uh, organic humane raised grass-fed etc and uh, you know I've had to work very very hard since then to stay on top of that. So the coffee that I drink, I make sure it's mitotoxin-free. Same with the grains. If I was to have a glass of red wine every now and again, I make sure that the particular brand is sourced from a place that doesn't have mold spores or anything like that. I make sure that I drink very clean water, that I only eat humane raised or organic or uh, grass-fed, etc. You know, I make sure that I don't expose myself to glyphosate, you know, herbicides, pesticides as much as possible because I know the effect that it can have on me. And, and since I've been doing that and tracking that, I feel so much better. And, uh, you know, I don't have inflammation in my body that I once did. I don't have the bloatedness in my gut that I once did. I don't have the brain fog. Um, you know, one of the things that I did earlier this year, I traveled to Colombia and I had stem cells. I had stem cells put into my elbows, my shoulders and my knees, pretty much everywhere that I know that will have wear and tear because I don't have any plans on slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, when I get... Yeah, well, when I get to a 90 or 100 years old, I don't want to live with any regret with the training that I put myself through today. So that really helps as a preventative measure, you know, all this technology and biohacks that we have available to us, as long as I'm participating in a low-hanging fruit, so like intermittent fasting obviously helps with stem cell production, so I practice that. Uh, but if I can get additional stem cells and I can afford it, I certainly will. So I'll probably do that every couple of years uh, moving forward as well. Have you noticed any difference since you had the stem cell therapy out of interest? Yeah, massive difference, massive difference. So it really helped with the regeneration of my shoulder since I had the surgery. I don't have like zero pain or zero discomfort in my joints. Uh, you know, I'm 45 years old now and I've put my body through a lot. You know, I've, I've had a lot of injuries, mostly outside of the gym, you know, torn lat, torn pec, torn hamstring, torn tendons in my ankles like seven times in my wrist, broken ankles, broken wrists, you know, things like that. And I don't feel 
any of it, any of it. The stem cells are absolutely amazing. But, you know, I, I ensured that I went outside of the country of the US to get it because they can legally harvest it there over a couple of weeks. And I went to somewhere where they actually bank the stem cells as well. So I had a full tour through the facilities. I recorded it for my podcast uh, and my YouTube channel. So, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that if they had anything to hide. And I'd known a couple of people that went to that particular place before me anyway. So it came as a referral. Yeah, that's something I was going to ask you if that's something that's regularly available in, in the US or Europe. Because it's not something I've really heard of anyone using before. Well, yeah, was, it, is, it is available, but just not to the degree. So I was able to get over 200 million stem cells there that you can't get that in the US and or, or the UK. And it'll cost, like, if I was to have something like that in the US, it'd probably cost me north of $45,000. I did my research, uh, but it's a lot, lot less if you go to another country. Um, you know, much like, you know, for instance, medicine. If I was to get a Ventolin inhaler over here in the US, it'll probably cost me like $100. It cost me $3 if I went to Mexico for the same <laughs> It's madness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, but, just, uh, you know, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the goal. And, you know, with the business, like I said, we've just opened our eighth, we just opened our eighth uh, gym in India. And with uh, Cage Muscle Supplements, we're doing very well there. We're being uh, recognized by the right people. We don't put any money into marketing because we decide to put all the money into the actual research and the products as well. Um, So that can be difficult when you're in a market of every company saying we're the best. Uh, So we just, you know, focus on uh, quality and hopefully we will gain people's loyalty when they try, uh, try the products. Well, I think it's good though, like the way you carry yourself and conduct yourself and lead by example is something I'm a big fan of. So I was speaking, as I said before we went on the show about, I was at a seminar in Barcelona at the weekend. And for me, like I was like, I was getting up early. I was going to breakfast training and I came back to breakfast to have my post-workout meal and then going to the seminar while like other people are rolling in hungover. Like for me, it's a big thing about leading by example and practicing what I preach. And like, for me, I can tell with you, you're exactly the same like with that, which I think everyone has so much buy into your gyms and everything you do because you love what you do and that comes across in like the way you conduct yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, selfishly, I'm going to handpick the equipment that I want in the gym. <laughs> and it's the supplements as well, though, isn't it? Cause you, yeah, exactly. You know, I, fortunately, I have an, an amazing formulator who's phenomenal, you know, and, he, you know, he only believes in, like, the natural flavoring, coloring, and patented and fermented ingredients and stuff like that. Uh, so we are all aware, myself and my two business partners, that our margin is tiny you know people think wow you know you must be rich you have a gym franchise and a supplement company nothing could be further from the truth i think what fulfills us more than anything is our purpose and providing value that people pay for because we all work hard we've all worked hard we all have families that work hard so you know we're not here to rip anybody off we want to provide the absolute best and selfishly you know we want to do it for ourselves first and uh, and just share that yeah, that's, that's an awesome mission to have in itself, to be honest with you. In terms of, um, like, India is always something that's fascinated me as a country and the way the fitness scene is developing there. I think that's amazing how you're involved with, with such a rapidly growing industry. Is there anything you've seen in particular there in trends? Because I've got a few, like, clients I work with over there, and they do complain, to be fair, about the quality of the gyms, the quality of the trainers, respectfully. Um, and it's, it's great that you're over there trying to improve that industry. Cause I, like for me personally, it's someone I'd love to go out to and, and look to try and explore further what's going on out there. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a couple. Well, a lot of people will use the excuse of the gyms aren't good enough, the supplements aren't good enough. We don't get good food here, so that's why I decided. Okay, so I've published seven books now, and one of those books was called Bollywood Body by Design, where I published like the programs and the diets that I put my Bollywood clients through. And guess what? Is all within India gyms and with Indian foods. And uh, then I decided to do my own transformation there that was published on Bodybuilding.com, which is called the Twelve Week Muscle Building Video Trainer. And I did it in India to prove to people you can actually do it. You know, you just have to be hungry for it. Uh, but you know, what what I really did find in India more than anything, and still do, obviously, is the lack of education. Things that come from the UK or the US uh, can very easily get misconstrued there. So the last two times I've done a tour, you know, the buzzword is the keto diet, as it is pretty much everywhere. But everyone's a lot of people are doing it wrong. They're eating their full fat, saturated fats, like the lard, the ghee, and they're not going for the healthier alternatives as they should do. And doing it a little bit too strict i would prefer the cyclical approach you know for long-term health and uh, you know things just get misconstrued very easy there's a lot of myths uh people who consider supplements to be steroids uh but the problem being with the supplements here there's a lot of black market supplements you can't tell the real from the fake they are that good uh, so you just got to make sure that you go to a reputable place to purchase those supplements, not from a market store or anything like that. But the one thing that I have noticed, obviously, these Bollywood clients uh, are doing more action roles now, and they're taking their top off, and much like what happened in the U.S. during yeah. the 80s with Arnold and Stallone and Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, is what's happening over there. So the gyms are becoming fuller. People are looking towards supplements and nutrition. Uh, they're a motivated bunch. They're very passionate, but the education is just down. So I think it's our duty collectively to try to educate them as much as possible because a lot of, a lot of personal trainers there will get their clients on steroids because it's easily available and they want their clients to get results instead of putting them through you know, and, and focusing on health and prioritizing their health. You know, these people have no aspirations to jump on stage, but, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of steroids. So, you know, there's a lot of problems there, uh, myths and misconceptions that we're constantly trying to debunk. You know, my business partner, Jag Chima, who is uh, based there in London, uh, but he spends a lot of his time in India. You know, he has a company with myself called Physique Global, and we're constantly doing tours there. We just had Branch Warren over there doing mm -hmm. a tour, and uh, you know, just trying to educate people, bring more crowds. Where in India specifically? Uh, everywhere. We tour everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Bangalore, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Delhi, uh, everywhere. Yeah, Chennai. What's the um, biggest challenge you have whilst traveling there, out of curiosity? Uh, the traffic for sure. You know, there's, there's <laughs> over a billion. Like yeah, there's over a billion people there. So, uh, yeah, and, and uh, I say the biggest challenge is that everything's late. I say that everyone's on Indian Standard Time there, uh, where I'm very punctual. I'm always on time. I'm always early. Uh, so when I was training clients over there, I don't care who they were. If they would show up 15 minutes late, I wouldn't train them that day. I find it very disrespectful. So that's always a challenge, I'd say, is uh, trying to get people to be on time. That's, um, that surprises me a little bit, to be fair, because I would have thought that they'd either be one or the other there. But I guess, I don't know, it's supposed to probably make sense to a degree. But like yeah. the, 
compared to say like the Arabic culture where they're so like bulletproof and precise on time from what my own personal experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that that, that's true. But again, it's, it's, it's a different culture altogether. No, hundred percent. Anyone who was looking to try and move in towards like, say from the UK, do anything similar to yourself then to move out internationally? Would you have any tips for anyone like young aspiring and coming people in the fitness industry? Not talking about myself in particular, but just anyone in general. Obviously, you've made some incredible moves, like transitioned around the world as a global trotter, as it were, um, like exploring. So anything you'd suggest to, sh- to share with anyone? Well, you know, it's obviously a, it's a, it's a different world now to when I moved over to the U.S. originally in 2005. You know, with social networking, you know, it, it's so much easier, I feel. You know, you have people like Simeon Panda uh, that has moved over now and doing very, very well. And uh, I think Martin Ford is going to probably move over very soon as well. And it's very, it, it can be easier to get recognized, but the thing is it's become more competitive at the same time. Uh, like I, I recognize my weaknesses, uh, so I don't try to feel those weaknesses. I'd say whatever your strengths are, double down on them. 10x your strengths. Right, don't right. try to fix your weaknesses. So, you know, I know that collectively I cannot excel in any one thing. Uh, oh, sorry. I cannot. I cannot excel in one any one thing. So I try to do a lot of things, and collectively, I may excel. Uh, so it all depends on that person. If, if you find that you're single-minded and can focus on one thing to excel, whatever that niche is. You just go at it with a cadence. So whether that be on social networking, making sure that you're posting, if not every day or three times a week, if it's YouTube or something like that. I'm saying do as I say now, not not as I do. (laughs) Not as I do. Um, You know, make sure that you stick with that cadence and maybe try to target various audiences that are obviously outside of your country and your local environment. And, uh, you know, participate in so many different things and see which one sticks. That's what I do. You know, that's what I did with, you know, writing my books. I do my seminars. Obviously, I have the supplements in the gym and uh, Physique Global. I just find if I continue down that path of doing all of them, one will work. And I started my own uh, platform uh, earlier this year called healthkick.com. That gives me another avenue of providing content you know, I, I do uh, books. Uh, I do books in there, online books. I have a, a bi-monthly magazine that I'm able to contribute content. Uh, you know, I offer coaching. You know, I, I, I like to do so many different things because it fulfills me. I'm the kind of person that gets bored very quickly. If I go to a movie, I, I wonder if I can sit out the whole movie. I usually, you know, if I go to a cinema, a lot of the time I walk out. Uh, I, I just find it very hard to sit still. So it's the same with my mentality. So it, I guess it comes down to that person's, that person's characteristic. But one thing that I will say is get used to doing the shit that you don't want to do. You know, practice a form of discipline that will have a transcendence effect on other areas of your life. You know, like I get my fiance to jump in the cold bath as well after the sauna as much as she hates it because I know that will have a positive effect on her art career because she will get used to doing her art on the days that she doesn't want to do it. You know, if she gets used to that form of discipline on a daily basis. That's what it's all about though. Everything in life is about discipline because motivation will come and go. But if you're disciplined, you'll just get shit done regardless. Exactly. We can't rely on motivation. And I'm curious, because you say you're a type A personality. Yeah, probably would. Yeah, probably 100%. would. You're very, very similar to myself in that respect. Just the, the way you talk about having to have 
like you're not trying to have a goal, but you already have a goal. Or what you were trying to tell me earlier in terms of like trying to <laughs> optimize your health and longevity, because that in itself. Is- yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I definitely think about today because I know whatever I do today will dictate tomorrow, as opposed to thinking, okay, being a hundred a hundred years old from now. Um, so you know, I always try to focus on being present today because how often do we say, "Wow, it's the end of 2019 already, nearly." <laughs> uh, you know, because we're never really present within our conversation that we're having together right now. You know, we're we're typing on our phone or we're thinking about something else. Even we're eating when we're driving. Never, we're never really present. You know, when when we're at a restaurant or a cafe with someone. And uh, God forbid they should go to the toilet. We have to get our phone out immediately. Yeah, it's scary. Present and just focusing on the breath. And that's why I love doing my hybrid athleticism so much. I go out for a run. And a lot of the time I won't have my headphones. I won't have a podcast on. I won't have music. I just want to be present and just, you know, focus on having no noise. Because as kids, well, at my age anyway, as a kid, you know, there wasn't a lot of these distractions. It was just silence you know, have an adventure on the farm. And I just try, try to take myself back to that and uh, enjoy the peace and listen to the voice in my head that we don't often hear. For me, that's, that's why I love training so much. That's why I've started trying to train twice a day. Just for me, that's like headspace. And I love the purity of that moment that nothing else matters. Like if you've got 200 kilos on your back or whatever, you're not, you're not thinking about trying to WhatsApp your mate or reply to an email. You're thinking like, don't let this crush me. You're trying to focus on what you're actually doing because you have no other option but to focus on that, be present. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Couldn't agree with you more. So um, one last question to keep you, um, don't want to keep you too long, Chris. So in terms of the fitness industry, what do you think is the future of the fitness industry and where everything's going? Obviously, like a, a globalized market with where we're at at the moment. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Wow, you stumped me there. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I definitely think it's going to be uh, you know, health-orientated. I, I noticed that if you look at the statistics of events such as like a Spartan... You know, these ninja warrior gyms are popping up more yeah. and you see like the Ironman triathlon or like 5Ks or, you know, you've got these park runs now in the UK. They are growing in popularity. And I think people are just really getting sick of, you know, having a family, uh, coming home from their office job and feeling like they have no purpose. Be mundane. Yeah, there's no drive. So I see, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I, I expect an increase of more endurance and hybrid athleticism and, you know, like, uh, like ninja warrior type style of training and something that's maybe a little more convenient, such as your Tabata hits and maybe all over body workouts, like push pull workouts. I know they're there, but I think they will, they will come in a little bit harder knowing that people have less time on their hands and they, they need more convenience and obviously AI as well. So, Ryan DeLuca, the founder of Bodybuilding.com, has now started uh, Black Box, which is, uh, he has these AI uh, gyms, which are amazing, unbelievable. I, I, I was very suspicious of them until I actually <laughs> tried them myself. And after 30 minutes of working out in one of those things, I, I burned through like 500 calories, I was sweating buckets, and I felt sore the next day. Uh, but I felt entertained. The time went so quick as well. So I can see an expansion of that as well. Like well, what's an AI gym then? Just to- well, basically it's uh, you know, artificial intelligence. So you're actually, um, 
you, you basically put on the mask, you put on the, the goggles, if you wish, and you have these sensors on your, on your wrists. So when you look at your hands, you actually see like a, a gamified version of yourself. It's unreal. And uh, then he has a the matrix. Yeah, it's like the Matrix, but these cables come out at different aspects of the game. So you could be performing flies to increase your power in order for you to throw this bomb. You could be doing squats in order to kill this person on the other side of the court. You know, it, it's, uh, it's very hard for me to describe, but look up Black Box VR and uh, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. But I, I think that is going to be a part of that future. You know, I'd say he's probably early to the market. He just, did, he just opened a gym right next to the Twitter offices in San Francisco. And he's opening another one in Boise uh, at the end of this month. And uh, I see that's going to be part of that future and biohacking as well. Uh, you know, there's the Health Optimization Summit that's going to be happening in London. I think it's the 14th and 15th. Uh, my friend Tim Gray is putting that on. What, what month is uh, it? Next month. Next okay. month. I, if you're there, I, it's over the same weekend as the Olympia. I don't know if you're in Vegas. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the UK then, so I'd love then to. Then I would strongly, strongly suggest that you go there. What's um, it called again, Chris? The Health Optimization Summit. Anyone who wants to go to this is the podcast, drop me a message. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It'll be phenomenal. It'll be phenomenal. Like I was with Tim Gray, the organizer, a couple of weeks ago. We were in a, a, a banya. I don't know if you know what a banya is. It's like a Russian bath. A couple of weeks ago in Shoreditch in London, you know, where you, you're in the sauna, then you pull the bucket of cold water over your head, then you go into the plunge bath, and then you go into the lounge and like sip on herbal tea and chat and whatever, and then you start again. And, uh, you know, we were talking in depth about the Health Optimization Summit. And uh, he was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually talking about it as well. And it is everything about health, biohacking, uh, even the medical industry. They can have some phenomenal uh, speakers there, like Amy Killen. Uh, ben Pekulski is going to talk there as well. I was just mm -hmm. speaking yesterday. Uh, Dave Asprey, the owner of Bulletproof, will be there talking. It'll be phenomenal. But do contact me after because Tim did give me a code or link uh, to get a discount on those tickets. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I can certainly send yeah, that. Yeah, no, 100% I'll be up for that. So um, yeah, I'll take you up on that one. But Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be eye-opening. Believe me, if I could be there, I would be there for sure. Are you, are you in the Olympia, I presume? I'll probably be at the Olympia weekend, yeah. yeah I understand that. Well, I just want to say, we'll wrap it up there. I just want to say massive, massive thank you for coming on the podcast, Chris. I'm a big, big fan. You've got a wealth of knowledge and there's some awesome information that's almost like cutting edge, which I don't think I have never even heard of before we've discussed on here. So uh, I think we've got insight into the future of fitness, which is quite awesome to hear. So um, for anyone to find out about you, Chris, what's the best way to get in touch, hear about your businesses and what you do? Yeah, they can contact me either at my website. It's healthkick.com and that's spelt with a K-K-I-K.com, healthkick.com. Or they can just go to my Instagram and that's K-R-I-S, Chris. Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Well, absolute pleasure, Chris, and I hopefully we'll uh, catch up soon. All right, thank you very much. My pleasure, Charles.